I think my three top tips and the mistakes that I see people make is number one, don't enter any conversations until you've actually found out what the family wealth is. Where are the pensions? Where are the investments? Find it out for yourself. Number two, have a look at the figures before you speak to anybody. Check out what the tax is if you encash things, if you transfer things. Get a financial advisor to sit down with you over a cup of coffee and chat you through those things. And they should do that without charge. Number three, when you go into negotiations, be open to different options. It could be there's an asset that emotionally you really want to hold on to, a holiday home, for example. But if it's not going to be able to generate an income for you going forward, and that's not going to give security for you or your children if they're living with you, then you need to be open to to look at different ideas. You must make sure that the assets work for both of you going forward. It was a very acrimonious separation with a lot of bitterness on each side. But don't ever remember being sat down and told what was happening, the facts of the situation. What I did hear was the bitter comments from each side about the other, and what I saw was all the revenge tactics being thrown around with not much regard for my sister and I stuck in the middle. I never thought it affected me that much growing up. It was such a normal part of my life. But it bothered me when I'd hear the comments about the other. I don't think they ever thought about the fact that it wasn't just their ex-partner that they were insulting, it was my mum or my dad. But it wasn't until a few years ago, when I reached my twenties and started to think more seriously about my romantic relationships and the future of them, that I realised how much of an effect their divorce had had on my views of relationships and of marriage. We're all a product of our experiences, and I can trace many of the issues I have now with within relationships, commitment, trust, and even simple things like how to treat a partner, back to the divorce and what followed. I was never given a chance to talk it through with somebody and my parents were too wrapped up in their own bitterness at the time to take a step back and think about how it would affect their children. I think that's why I think mediation and counselling are so important for everyone involved in a divorce. The effects can be long-lasting and life-changing and I see a lot of defensiveness from parents going through a divorce. No one wants to admit that they're about to do something, however necessary it may be, that will have a negative effect on their child. But it's so important to address it early and to address it well, and your children will thank you for it. Dealing with fear. Now, this is a topic in itself, okay? So, you've got to face the future, which you don't know how it's going to be, you don't know if you're going to have enough money, you don't know necessarily where you're going to live, you don't know how it's going to affect the children, how you're going to have time to see the children because you're going to be working so hard. It's a terrifying time. And on top of that, you've got all the the emotional and psychological side. I mean, you may well be dealing with, with heartbreak. So I often find that one of the best tools for dealing with fear is coaching. Well, coaching might be something that you've experienced in the workplace, through work. Um, business owners often have, have experienced coaching had very um, and had huge success with it. But there's lots of different types of coaching. Now, let's, let's just talk about coaching and counselling. Um, when you have the deeper stuff, 
um, perhaps the, a sense of abandonment, uh, triggers from the past. This can all come up from the divorce situation. And some of this is rooted in your past, your childhood. These are areas that are, are not necessarily a quick fix. And this is where skilled counselling can be very, very valuable. But the question you need to ask yourself is, do I need to be doing that right now? <laughs> you know, because we're maybe we're about to go into mediation, we're discussing the finances. You know, do I have the, the sense of safety and security to really do that deeper work? And quite often the answer is no. And it is when things have settled down and you're feeling, I can breathe again. That's a great time to go and do the counselling and work on those issues because otherwise they'll come back to bite you again later. So it's a fantastic opportunity to go, wow, this has all come up with a divorce. I thought I was on top of this. It's still here affecting my life. Brilliant. Counselling can really help you with that. Uh, but often that's in the middle of your divorce may not be the time to be focusing on that. What may be more useful to you right now is to work with a transitions coach. Now a coach won't be worried about what happened to you when you were five or your relationship with your father. What they're looking for is what do you want to create? What's your vision of the future? And how do you step by step make that happen? They're the ones who ask the questions that bring out of you what you do know what you want, but you may not be conscious of it right now. So they skillfully ask the questions that bring from you what you really want. So you can start to be excited again about the future. And then when the fear hits you, oh God, how am I going to do this? Step by step, breaking it down. Uh, they also can provide an accountability, which is very useful. Stops those of us who like to prevaricate. Um, so transition coaching, a very, very powerful tool with dealing with this, the fear around the future and how you're going to cope and just getting things done. Another form of coaching that can be very powerful is working with experts in relationships with, with regard to co-parenting. So a co-parenting coach can help you really understand uh, your spouse's or future ex's perspective, um, which you may not be doing as much as you should at this point. Sometimes it's hard to do that. Uh, so they can help you to do that. They can help you tune into what's really, the real effects on this and the children. And I can tell you now as a parent, as a human being, something that you know, but which often gets forgotten in divorce. The children just want you guys to be happy. They, they It's not the divorce that's the issue, it's the way you do it. Um, and again, so working with a co-parenting coach, working on that co-parenting relationship, because you've got to have that relationship for years and years and years. So that's a very important relationship. And of course, the more that improves, and that often involves very clear boundaries, you know, it's not about you being a doormat, clear boundaries, but empathy, understanding and boundaries. And that will have amazing, a very powerful positive effect on how you then communicate about other areas of the divorce. So that's a real investment. The other one, uh, dating, starting over coach. If sometimes to be able to look forward and to start to move forward, if you're ready, 
uh, you know, for many people, dating is not something they should be doing in the middle of divorce. But if they've been separated for a few years and already moved on emotionally, then then yes, absolutely. Uh, they might want to start to prepare for that and there might be a lot of work to do on their confidence. So they might want a coach to work with that. And a money coach, um, money coaching, wealth coaching, your aspirations, your you, you may have some very strong self-limiting beliefs about your ability to go out and build a career, especially if you've spent the last you know, few years bringing up small children. So you, this is a really amazing time, this time of fear about the future by dealing with that by working with the people who are most appropriate for you you can totally transform that into a very exciting um, kickstart to the rest of your life When you are in the beginning of the divorce process, it can be really overwhelming to even know how to split your assets, to know what assets would be beneficial for you. There are different people coming at you from different directions, financial planners, mediators, lawyers, and you need to be able to speak to all of them in rather different languages. And I totally understand how overwhelming and stressful that can be when you've never had to do that before and perhaps you don't even necessarily know what a financial planner actually does. So it sounds quite scary to have to suddenly open up to someone and lay it all out on the table. I've tried mediation before. It doesn't work. And why was that, Janet? What was it about mediation that didn't work for you? Well, the mediator asked him to disclose his financial situation and he admitted that he has stashed a load of cash in dozens of bank accounts that I have known nothing about. He ferreted it away the minute he knew that I was leaving him. He's been deceiving me for months. And what happened next? Well, I walked out. How dare he deceive me like that? Janet, I'm just trying to understand what you're saying. So your husband admitted to hiding assets and came clean on everything and you walked out. And for you that meant that mediation doesn't work? No. No, I've told everyone on Facebook, I've told all my friends that mediation doesn't work. I'm only here because my solicitor has told me that I have to come here for some some mims or, 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 or something, whatever that is, some box ticking for court. You are that kind of mediator, aren't you? Yes, I'm an accredited mediator, which means I can sign off the form that allows you to take your dispute to court. And we're conducting a MIAS, a mediation information and assessment meeting. But to be honest with you, Janet, I'm rather hoping that you can come to some agreement without resorting to court. I mean, there are benefits to you if you do. Benefits? I don't think so. All my friends tell me that mediation isn't going to get me a decent settlement and that it's fluffy. And quite frankly, the way that I've been treated, I deserve all of it. 
And that's never going to happen unless I get myself a decent lawyer. So I found myself a real Rottweiler. I found him on Google and he agrees with me. He agrees that my husband is a narcissist and that mediation just won't work. Solicitors are highly trained in legal matters, but perhaps not the best people to take advice from on mental health issues. Well, I spoke to my hairdresser about it and, and she's done an online counselling course. Even people who know your husband may not be... No, 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 she doesn't know him. She only cuts women's hair. Look, Janet, I'm here to remain fully impartial and to determine whether mediation is a viable option for you and your husband. Let me be frank with you. If you can allow me to try to help you reach an agreement out of court, that could save you a huge amount of money, time and stress. You have a child, don't you, Janet? Yes. Yes, I have a daughter, Marilyn. Oh, she's a one. She's eight going on 28. Think of it this way, Janet. You can go to court where many people pay out a minimum of 25000 by the time they've covered court fees, solicitors' bills, and that's not including time off work, inconvenience and the stress. That money could be spent on Marilyn instead. Shall we give it a try, Janet? Perhaps this time, with my impartial support, you won't need to walk out. And if you do, you can come back into the room whenever you're ready. You can call your solicitor at any time to ask for guidance if that's what you want to do. Shall we try it? By the way, long-term studies in the US showed that on average, women who accessed mediation ended up with larger maintenance settlements than women who went to court. Just thought I'd mentioned that long-term statistically relevant study, just so that you're aware that mediation may be more to your advantage than you might imagine. But you can find that out for yourself, yes? Well. You've met her, so you know what a bloody nutter she is. <laughs> she won't even let me finish a sentence, let alone hear my side of the story. And she won't stop until I'm living in a cardboard box and wearing black bin bags for clothes. And now, she won't even let me see my daughter until I've paid off one of her credit cards. But I can't do that because she's appointed a Rottweil lawyer who's frozen all my assets. So how am I supposed to live? I'm self-representing because I'm so skinned. And you know, I might have topped myself by now if it wasn't for families need fathers. Because it's, it's really killing me not seeing my daughter. I've had to sell the car to pay rent and I'm living in a shitty part of town. So even if I was able to have my daughter to come and stay, there's nowhere for her to sleep. I don't even care about the money anymore. I just want to get on with my life. Why is she punishing me like this? She was the one that had an affair and wanted to leave me. A judge won't have time to hear your story. If I told you that within the mediation structure your story will be heard, will you agree to an exploratory session? Yes. Well, it didn't go too badly. I, I still think that I could have got more money going to court, but time is money, isn't it? But I am a reasonable person and I realised I was angry, but actually I, I realised this before I went to the mediation because um, I went to a retreat. I, I felt that I deserved some time away after everything I, I, I've been going through. And I, at this retreat I, I was doing all these, all these workshops and I realised that this is just between you and me, um, don't tell Brian or, or, or anything about it. I realised that I was still holding on to some guilt, that I was feeling guilty because 
I was the one that ended the marriage. And you'd never guess what. Brian actually said that he was okay with the decision and that it had hurt at the time, but he, that he wished me well. He'd even gone to say that, that he was better off or something, but, but then the, the, the mediator coughed and I missed the end of the sentence. It was like he forgave me. And although all of this is his fault, how he always leaves the toilet seat up and the top off the end of the toothpaste, I could actually see a way of working out our finances and, and, and how he could spend some more time with Marilyn. And, and I could actually see a way of moving forward, how I could put all this behind me, how it's all over and done with. I was actually going to take Marilyn to Disneyland, but then I got this huge bill from the lawyer that I saw before the mediation. Who'd have thought that a few letters would cost that much? Well, I listened to her jabber on for a bit and I managed to keep my mouth shut. And uh, I learned a few tricks to cope with that kind of situation. The uh, mediator persuaded me not to take any Valium because he said I needed to be present, whatever that means. Um, when she um, was telling everyone about how much fun she was having with her boyfriend, she thought I was having a nervous twitch under the table. But uh, actually I was doing some EFT tapping, which helped me stay calm in that situation. So uh, that fooled her. <laughs> we, um, we sorted everything out. Um, I nearly blew it when I said that I was actually okay about her ending the relationship. And then I started to say, I'm actually better off without you, but uh, the mediator got something stuck in his throat, so I don't think she heard that bit, luckily. And he persuaded me not to give her everything. He pointed out to her that if I had to live in a one-bedroom slum, I wouldn't be able to have our daughter over to stay. So, uh, anyway, we came to a fairly good financial arrangement. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was a lot better than it started out. And the thing is, we've actually come to a quite a good arrangement about me seeing my daughter, Marilyn. We, there's this idea about a handover book and uh, online diaries, which means that I don't actually have to talk to her face to face, which is bloody brilliant. And the thing is, the best thing is, we've managed to sort this out peacefully. So, that's gotta have helped our daughter because she's a really sensitive girl. She's picking up on all this. She's watching how we do this. I must say, I've noticed some cut marks on her arm. I'm really worried that she started to self-harm because I know that that happens sometimes. I've been talking to some of the dads down at the Families Need Fathers and some of them are just having a terrible time. They haven't seen their kids for years, some of them. It's really heartbreaking. So I realise how lucky I am compared with them. And the thing is, 
we all just want to do the best by our children, don't we? Marilyn's watching how we're dealing with this. She's taking it all in. We just really want to do the best by our children, don't we? Don't we? Please close their eyes and I'm going to put each one of us under a shower of universal love so that you can be washed down, cleaned down, inside and out and feel that shower on you. And now we're going to imagine a white light sword that is going to come through the top of your head, your top chakra. And this white light is going to regenerate all your chakras as it goes down through you. So let's start with the very top chakra. And this is your spiritual chakra, purple, om. And let this light regenerate it, make sure that the color is true, that it's spinning correctly around this white light. And then when you feel that it's had it been regenerated enough, let the light just move down to the next chakra, which is your third eye, and which is a dark blue. And let that regenerate. It needs to be spinning nicely, not all over the place. Good color, a true color. And let the white light make it into a true color. And then the light goes further down into your throat. And this chakra is for peace. And it is a light blue. And see that spinning. And feel the peace that it generates. Going further down, the light is going to enter your heart. And this chakra is green. And further down, to your solar plexus, which is your power, your connection with others. And this is gold. And let it go further into your abdomen. And the next chakra is orange, and that is for relationships. Let it spin. And now further down to your base chakra, which is red, and make sure that red is a nice, true red. No, no um, dingy spots, no dark places in it. And see that it spins correctly. And now the light is going to go through you and out and start pooling around your feet. And it's going to become a large puddle. And as it comes through you even more, it's going to develop into a lake. And even more, it's going to go as far as the eye can see. And whatever is in that pathway is going to be converted to the light. So all the dark little bits and pieces can be converted to the light. 
And now we're going to take our bazookas out, our mental bazookas out, and aim them at the dark cloud hovering above your head. And see that black cloud shatter and splinter and leave you. And what is there in its stead? And we'll take the bazooka again and aim it at the black cloud behind the small of your back and see that evaporate. And now we are going to peel ourselves like a grape of the things that encompass us and are at tight bonds around us. So we will start off with betrayal. Let us peel ourselves of betrayal. And again, peel yourself of anger. And peel yourself of despair. And how about fear? Fear of the future. Fear what's going to happen now. And how about hatred? Heal yourself off. And I'm sure you can all think of one or two that you might be carrying. Would you do that for yourselves now? we are now going to reconnect ourselves with the Creator. So taking the energy from your heart up through the top of your head and send it out to the Creator. And the Creator is going to send back to you the Creator's energy through the top of your head, down through all the chakras to the base, and then back up to the heart. Breathe it in. And we're going to do the same to our souls, taking the energy from the heart up through the top of the head and off to the soul. And then from the soul, back to you, down through from the top of your head to the base chakra and back up to the heart. Breathe it in. And now repeat three times. I reclaim my power. I reclaim my power. I reclaim my power. And we're going to put as a last thing the shamanic circles of protections around us. So seven circles. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Breathe them all in. And when you're ready, open your eyes. Thank you.